Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. I'm Batman. Actually, by the time this airs, Batman will probably be out. I'm not sure when the air date for that new Batman movie is, but it's coming up quick. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the first part of March. I want to say March 8th or 12th, whatever that weekend is. I've already got friends on, uh, on Facebook who are talking up the fact that they've got advanced tickets. I wish I could plan that far ahead of time, but my job makes it impossible to do that. So, uh, you know, I'll, I, I'll get to I, it. I don't I'm know sure about. I, I I'm sure I will too. I think I'll probably this time around. I'll probably wait until it hits HBO Max, just because we we had a conversation not long ago about who was the best Batman. Yes. Uh, during one of our live episodes, and um, you know, I just kind of have Batman fatigue at this point. I really do. I mean, just in my Lifetime alone, we, we've we've had uh, Michael Keaton, and we've had Ben Affleck, and we've had Christian Bale. Darling, I don't have to answer to you. I'm Batman. You know, Val Kilmer got, uh, and George Pattinson Clooney. And Val Kilmer and George Clooney. We've had so many Batman, and I'm just like, I don't know. I, I really, I, I, I will never ding the DCEU because they're doing their own thing, and they definitely have uh, some strong storytelling. But I just, I, I really think that Marvel's approach to making everything a unified universe, even though they've had some splinters, like I just read today where they're taking all of the Netflix micro-universe stuff off of Netflix pretty soon. Yep, and that's the, probably the because Disney's this, got the right be gone already. Yeah. And uh, by now, uh, it's not a spoiler to say that we already know that Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin and um, Charlie Cox's uh, Daredevil are back in the MCU officially for reals. So that's exciting. Um but I don't know. I just really think that, that Marvel's approach to a unified universe, uh, things like Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being you know demoted in terms of canon notwithstanding, right. I really think we're not going to have somebody recast as Thor. We're not going to have to deal with another Captain America later. I mean, obviously, they might hand off the mantle from somebody like Chris Evans to Anthony Mackie, but we're not going to have to... It's, it's a different version of the character. It's not like the James Bond approach, where it's the same character and we just have all these different actors or actresses playing that character. Right. I just think Marvel's kind of got their continuity and their commitment to keeping it a consistent universe. I just appreciate that more so than, oh, we have another new Batman. Okay, well, that's... I don't know. I, I probably will wait to see this Batman until HBO Max. I'm just not that excited about it. Yeah, well, I And that makes it. me a bad fan, then it makes me a bad fan. No, you're allowed to... to there's certainly enough media out there, as we've discussed. We're in a kind of a, a plethora of media to choose from. And, I mean, you're not going to be a fan True. of everything. I mean, look at... Recently, with uh, Book of Boba Fett just ending, as we record this, uh, there's a huge uh, split in the fan community as to whether or not people are for the story, against the story, like it, don't like it, yay Robert Rodriguez for show running it, boo Robert Rodriguez, never let him touch another property. I mean, it's a real split in the community. Uh, and and the big joke is, of course, that uh, Boba Fett guest stars in his own show occasionally because it's so rife with uh, guest stars like Ashoka Tano and Luke Skywalker and, and uh, Cad Bane and all those other characters that it's like, nearly impossible for him to wedge in his own screen time and his own show and it's i think now personally me of course the spoiler moratorium is going to be up by the time this is off so uh if i damage your sensitive ears i apologize but uh uh, i skip button if you haven't watched it yet that's true and you can't but you'll get to it eventually i'm sure i'm sure of it but uh uh, i think it wrapped it up real nice in the last episode all the characters had a reason for being there 
and and I thought it was really nice. Did I think that a couple of the episodes fell a little flat uh, because of the storytelling arcs? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as neatly polished as as the Mandalorian's first two seasons were, but uh, I mean, I still enjoyed it. So I mean, but like I said, there's going to be fans of of products and things that. Uh, don't like everything about it you know there's also that that like we talked about that with he-man we talked about that with thundercats we talked sure. about that with all the varieties of teen titans projects out there i mean there's always gonna be people who are very very critical of something um when maybe that something's not for them if that's not the quack to call in the stifling slimy <laughs> so i don't know yeah, and I will get to it eventually. The The only thing that I know about it so far is everything I've seen friends saying on social media. Things like, um, I was looking forward to Boba Fett, but getting a third season of The Mandalorian this early was hardly a, <laughs> a shitty consolation prize. Um, but that notwithstanding, I mean, there's also a certain amount of uh, shade that has to be thrown on the idea of, I think... And, and Marvel, again, I hate to, to kind of, you know, praise the worship at the altar of Marvel at, at this, but when, when somebody dies... In, in the Marvel... I mean, comic books, we've talked about this before. When somebody dies in comic books, it's never a permanent thing. There's always a possibly an out to bring them back. Oh, yeah. But the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe has been pretty consistent. We're not going to see Robert Downey Jr. in the Iron Man suit again unless there's some necessary narrative reason for a flashback. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what's happening with, with uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness coming up and alternate versions of characters that may or may not be in that film, like, right. like expanding on the idea of what we saw with the three Spider-Man and Far From Home. But... When somebody dies in the MCU, their death has impact. Uh, we would feel cheated if Robert Downey Jr. just showed back up in the Iron Man suit going, Hey, everybody, what's going on? Because it wouldn't be... <laughs> it would remove the impact of that funeral scene at the end of the last Avengers film. So, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Star Wars... Not that I'm going to shit on Star Wars, but the fact that they're sort of bringing back all these supposedly dead characters. Like, oh, Darth Maul got chopped in half and dumped on a ventilation shaft. But, hey, he shows up again in Clone Wars. Um, and that's canon. Or, uh, you know... We've got uh, uh, Jabba the Hutt saying, if you fall into the Sarlacc pit, you're going to be digested slowly. But, you know, somehow uh, Patton Oswalt turned out to be a Star Trek prophet during his Parks and Recreation uh, <laughs> Star Wars rant. And, and the exact scene he described of Boba Fett clawing his way out of the Sarlacc pit came to pass in Star Wars canon. So, <laughs> I think to some degree, not that I want to bag on this property specifically, but it does somewhat lessen the impact when you float the idea that, hey, a character could die and we could all mourn that character and that character's story could be over, but if some showrunner somewhere gets the reins to whatever chunk of the Empire they've been handed and they go, hey, I'm going to bring this character back. I'm going to contrive some backdoor narrative uh, suspension of disbelief reason to have Boba Fett claw his way out of the Starlight pit. It just it kind of cheapens the impact of the original property. But uh, that's just my opinion on it. On Boba Fett, I have to disagree with you because there's been media... For years and years and years and years talking about how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. He got done dirty as hell back in, in Return of the Jedi. And and all of the like extended universe stuff, comics and books and video games and whatnot, have all found a way to bring him back from that. And, and in particular, Book of Boba Fett did a very good job of reasoning it, showing it, and making it seem plausible. So... Because he turned out to be an unexpectedly popular character after his introduction. Mm -hmm. uh, he had something like you know 12 minutes of screen time and six lines or something like that in the original trilogy. But because his mythos persisted, 
they felt like it was necessary to create this entire legend around him. And therefore, you know, now in 2022, we have the, the book of Boba Fett. So I guess it really depends on, uh, on, on what whoever gets, gets the, uh, the reins to, to any chunk of the narrative story the overall larger universe wants to do. And I would never begrudge somebody having the creativity or having the freedom to be able to use those characters and those those narratives in that universe any way they see fit. But I just I will always maintain that if you kill off a character and we all mourn that character and we all see them die on screen, uh, that bringing them back somehow, it just, it just it really lessens the impact of the original piece of narrative that killed them off. But that's just, again, sort of my opinion. I, I really like the way that Marvel treats that, at least on the screen, on the page. They've been really fast and loose with it. But um, yeah, see anything yeah, X Men related lately? And sometimes it makes sense. Like if the character is like Wolverine or something, we've we've had it on the on the page and in the canon that he can regenerate from a drop of blood if he needs to, and that's true. But, yeah, um, but we've talked about the shenanigans that the X Men are playing with right now. So right. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Uh, just the resurrection protocols. Any mutant who's ever been dead is now resurrected. And, mm. and they can just keep coming back ad nauseum. So it's like, I don't now, know. I just really think it cheapens a character death. Cheap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in fact, they had a, I, read, I was reading an article about one of the new X-Men teams. It's like Secret X-Men or something like that. And one of the most disgusting characters to come out of the X-Men in, in the last couple of decades has been uh, Marrow whose mutant power is to extract her bones as weapons. Ew. And, uh, yeah, pretty gross. Uh, but she creates... I, mean, I guess Wolverine kind of does that, but... No, she uh, can pull, really? literally pulls bones out and regenerates bones. And so she made, like, this bone armor, like a bone spacesuit almost. And when they asked her why the hell she did that, she basically, like, because if it doesn't work and I die, I can always come back. It's a neat time to try this. It's like, ugh, I'm getting tired of it now. It's a trope, and I hate it. Stop it. Get some help. But, uh, uh we, yeah, we get... Yeah, it's definitely bothersome. We get a bit ranty with these things. But, yeah, like I said, uh, how weird is it, on a weird little aside, since that's what we seem to do, that Peacemaker has become one of the highest-rated shows on television? It is a very hard R very very inappropriate we have to send our daughter away when we watch it because don't want her walking in on that for those of you guys not in the know where the hell have you been john cena as uh christopher smith the peacemaker stemming out of james gunn's Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, excuse me. Have mm, to differentiate. Yeah. But uh just amazingly good and 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 surprisingly heartfelt and I don't know, I don't know where it came from. Robert Patrick plays his dad and is just the most disgusting person I can remember on film in a while. He's just and Robert Patrick is a sweetheart. Anyone has ever listened? Yeah, I've to always heard talk, that. He's a just he's an absolute gem of a human being, and he plays the most repugnant piece of shit. And I think I read an article where he was talking about why was because it's such a stretch for him to be that far out of character for himself, and so he wanted to try something that was completely outside of the norm, you know. And 
Well, before we great. fired up the mics, we were talking a little bit about how you read this article about how there were certain uh, cinematic and television villains that upstaged the heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this article mentioned Giancarlo Esposito as Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. And, oh, yeah. And, um, you know, that guy. I just finished Far Cry 6 not long ago, and he famously plays Ancon Castillo, the, the dictator of Yara, the fictional fictionalized Cuba, in that game. So kind of a Castro character, but very like devious. All of it? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm still going back into it and cleaning up some some uh, loose ends here and there because it's a really fun sandbox to play around in. It's actually that's a really well-designed game. Thing. It is, but uh, I, I did finish the last story mission and and um, saw it through to its sort of narrative end, and I won't spoil it because I know games take a little longer for some folks to finish than the series do. They'll come back to those. But yeah, me yeah like Giancarlo Esposito, by all accounts, is like a sweet, sweet dude. But he's played these horrible characters, which just really means he's a really, really good actor at the end yeah. of the day. Um, well, yeah, and this, yeah, and this mean, list I, talks about such great. Since we're talking about this list, talks about people like freaking uh, Heath Ledger playing Heath the Joker, Ledger, yeah, Jack Gleason playing Joffrey Baratheon. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just all these Kathy Bates. Uh, who and if there's any Andy one thing that I can, yeah. As long as I've been like sort of worshiping at the altar of Marvel this episode, I will ding Marvel on the things that they aren't exactly the strongest on. And Marvel has not exactly had the greatest villains in the world. I mean, if you look back on like sort of the Phase One and Phase Two villains, um, most of your villains were just kind of like some uh, goatee sporting mirror universe bad guy. Um, well, looking at you, Justin version Hammer. of the main character. Yeah, looking at you, Justin Hammer. Looking at you, Obadiah Stane. Oh, I got a bigger, badder Iron Man suit. Uh, looking at you, um, Yellow Jacket. Hey, I got a micro suit that I can use too. But they're they're kind of figuring that out. Like I think for as for every five or six sort of weak sauce villains that aren't very memorable in the MCU, we've got one that absolutely just chews the scenery and makes things memorable. Like Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, who we just mentioned earlier, who's back in. Um, his Kingpin on the uh, the sort of not even canon MCU, I guess now, but the the Netflix version of the the, the Daredevil series. Um, he was a great villain in that he really did feel like he was the hero of his own story. He really thought that he was doing the right thing by his neighborhood by gentrifying things and renewing things. And, and the symbolism of Vincent D'Onofrio constantly making breaking eggs to make omelets during the breakfast scenes of that movie or that, that series was, uh, was very prescient for that reason. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, I have not seen Peacemaker yet um, because I do like to wait till things are over and then binge them. But... I love John Cena. I think he's a great guy. I, I love his career renaissance as an actor since he kind of broke away from wrestling a little bit. He still goes back once in a while, but he's, he's really better known for his stuff on the screen now. But we were talking about him earlier. He's, he's one of the most prolific make-a-wish wish granters in that yes. entire history of that organization, if not the most. Kids love him. He loves kids. He grants wishes. Fantastic. Great for him. But I do like him as a person. I've seen him interviewed. He just seems really grounded and down to earth and the kind of guy he could have a beer with if he ever ingested a single carb in his life. <laughs> I don't um, think he does. No, but nonetheless, I really do want to check that out because he was one of my favorite characters in The Suicide Squad uh, just for his sort of like uh, earnest corniness and his, his the complete irony of I will achieve peace by any means necessary no matter how many people I have to kill. I thought it was a really fun character and, and I do intend to check that out. Um, again, it sort of is a little bit... I, I, I full well acknowledge my hypocrisy and, well, they killed him off in the movie, but they brought him back for a series and just kind of shitting on the idea of anybody can die or nobody can die and they bring people back and it's cheap, whatever. He's a fun character and I will uh, admit that I'm a hypocrite, but I do want to watch it anyway and I'll be checking that out very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been uh, my life lately. Well, let's talk about you first. How you been doing, man? You know, um, it's been a weird couple of weeks. It's just, it's this time of year, every year. 
I, it, there's no stigma left with mental illness. I definitely get a bit of the uh, the seasonal affective disorder when winter drags on for a while. Usually, if I can make it to February, um, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. But January is is a uh, a long month. The holidays are always a big smear between uh, Thanksgiving kind of well, actually Halloween kind of kicks it off, and then there's Thanksgiving, and then it's a mad rush to Christmas, and then there's New Year's Eve, and then you just have this long cold drought of January where nothing much is going on. And around here, it's always the coldest and shittiest and longest month. If I can make it to February, February is usually pretty okay because it's the shortest month. It starts to get warmer. My birthday is smack dab in the middle of it, and then it's March, and I don't give a shit what the calendar or the temperature outside says. March is spring mentally. I have to get there. Um, so this is just, just the tail end of, of, uh, my least favorite time of year. Um, but, uh, I'm getting through it, you know, it's, it's been weird with, uh, work hours have been crazy. Um, and it's been kind of all over the place, but I'm very lucky in that, um, I have my person here with me visiting on an extended couple of months long visit. So that's been really wonderful. And it's really helped me get through, um, some of the really, uh, the, the, the crappier moments, um, I just always have a uh, a source of happiness that's within an arm's reach away, so that's been wonderful. Um, yeah, she's pretty yeah, all right. Just, I'm, I'm, yeah, she's all right. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to the end of winter, though. I really am. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what's up. How you doing? Well, you know, I'm doing all right. I have, uh, like I said a couple times ago, I've been I've been delving really heavily into uh, retro video game handheld collecting and and trying my best to take and recover units that i find in the wild as it were and yeah and bring them back to life and keep them circulating and functioning and so that's been kind of my soul driving ambition lately and uh it's been a lot of fun and and it's kind of what i want to talk about today it dovetails nicely into that because uh boy howdy we are both retro gamers we've talked about it ad nauseum before uh we have a real affinity and love for uh, old school video gaming that's something we both share. Indeed. That said, it is a really... I picked the worst, the literal worst time to get into this hobby of repair and fixing and recovery. And I, I didn't mean, I just I picked the worst time. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've tried shopping for any handheld video game systems recently, but the price on these systems is astronomical. No, so I have the, not actually. Uh, one of the one of the things I've picked up recently, uh, like a 3DS. Uh, 3DS they usually retail for around 200 bucks. 2DSs used to retail for about two a hundred bucks, maybe 150 if it was a special edition. Uh, prices on those units have skyrocketed into the multiple hundreds. Uh, I picked up a, there's a unit that I picked up a couple of years ago. It's a 3DS XL. Uh, looks like the NES controller. It's really retro and, and, and really cool. And uh, you can't get that for under 350, 300, 350 right now in good condition. And I pay, I had the sticker on the box. I got it in the box for 150 back in the day. Wow. I mean, and yeah. the prices on all these units is the DS lights, which were the garbage system for the longest time. Like $30 will get you one of those. $100, $80, $75 all day right now for those. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I want to, in my humble opinion, which could be worth absolutely the paper it's printed on, 
Uh, I, I think it's due to the fact that a lot of these systems, while being uh, quote-unquote obsolete, being phased out by their manufacturer, Nintendo specifically in these regards, uh, I think uh, this, they found this real heavy-duty secondary life on the uh, emulation and retro video game market. Uh, because yeah. people are taking things like, uh, and they've had these for years. I've had one of these. Uh, it's it's called an R four chip, and mm-hmm. and what it is is it's a it's a game shaped chip for the DS, DSi, and 3DS. You put an SD card in it, and it runs ROMs. It's fairly simple to set up. You don't have to hack your system to do it. Um, as long as you have a compatible system, it just runs. Whatever ROMs you put on it, it'll play, and for a long time, I had just an entire folder full of these ROMs, and I would just shuffle them from system to system and and do this, that, and the other thing. I don't do that as much anymore because, well, I mean, we've talked about the piracy aspect of things, but recently one of the things I stumbled onto is I bought a... I got a 3DS. Uh, the 3DS XL. It had a little crack in the case, so they were selling it at a half-price books near me for 50 bucks. And I had a coupon, so it was like 45 bucks after the coupon. So I couldn't pass that up. But I bought it specifically with the purpose of uh, attempting to hack it and see what I could do with it. Because, like I said, I have all these old ROMs, and I've got plenty of game carts I can throw in there and try and, and pull ROMs off of, uh, because you're allowed to do that. Um, yep. And it's the easy... It's like a... 30 step process but it's not difficult and i think i had it hacked within 10 15 minutes and so now it's got a program homebrew program on there where i can slip any of my 3ds games into it and click a couple buttons and now the game lives on the thing and i don't have to carry around the carts with me anymore which is really really neat and uh, i think the reason that nintendo handhelds are going up in value is because you can do a lot of those kind of things with these units and they make great little compact uh uh retro game cards that you could just stick in your pocket and take with you go wherever you want i mean that's what i think about it i mean do you have any thoughts on why that would work well i mean i i'm not as involved in actually collecting the hardware as you are i'm, I'm very much i love emulation um but i do it on like a raspberry pi and i have a couple of um Handheld units that kind of came from overseas, and again, maybe I'm sure they're of dubious legality because these things run for about a hundred or hundred and fifty bucks. Did you get the soldier um, boy? They're being sold. No, I did not get the soldier boy. What I have, and I've showed this to you before, and of course, this is an audio medium, so it's not really um, something that uh, that I can necessarily show a lot of people. But it's it's uh, the the Ambernick A N B E R N I C. RG351P. Absolutely It's got not the a basic sort of form factor. No. Uh, it, but if you want to look it up, you can buy these things on, on Amazon. You can get them from uh, Wish. You can get them from a bunch of different places. And it's got the basic form factor of, uh, of an old Game Boy. It's only got one screen. So it doesn't do great with 3DS stuff and it doesn't have the 3D capability. Right. But this thing, it can emulate anything from like an N64 or, and, and then backward. So... It's got some Dreamcast games on it that play great. It's got some uh, some N64 games on it. 
tons of old uh, Famicom and Super Nintendo, old NES games. It's got somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen or 20,000 games on it. I will never get to them all, but I definitely have some favorites. But that's kind of the solution that I have come up with in order to play the games because I don't have the tech wizardry and know-how that you do. And I also, uh, all the old carts that I used to have, uh, I, I've long since gotten rid of them or lost them or lent them to friends and never got them back. And we're talking 25, 30 years ago now. So I don't have those anymore. Uh, so it was just, uh, and again, maybe that's that's bad because I know these things are, are pretty homebrew bootleg and they're not, like, you know, they're not what you're doing, like pulling ROMs off carts you own. And, and it's just kind of buying this, this quasi gray market thing from overseas uh, just for the sake of convenience. Um, and, and maybe that's bad. Maybe that's something I should atone for. But it's just uh, one of those things that I really kind of feel like... You sent me a, a meme a couple of days ago on Facebook that was uh, the, the, the guy with the Nintendo hat on saying, Hey, don't pirate our old games. And then the next panel was a guy saying, Well, then sell them to us. And then the same guy with the Nintendo hat on just frowning. Because <laughs> I will gladly buy anything that's available yeah. if I have the opportunity to buy it. But a lot of these old games, Nintendo is kind of piss-trickling them out onto the official Switch emulation platforms uh, that I, I do have. And I did pay for the uh, the privilege of, of being on the Nintendo Live service so that I can actually have access to these games. And I don't know what it runs. It's like 60 bucks a year or something. It's totally reasonable for what you yeah. get. But um, it's, it's their version of Xbox Live or whatever it is, the PlayStation or Xbox uh, Game Pass, or whatever it is that, that uh, um, PlayStation is going to come up with to compete with that. And it's fine. There's all these great old Nintendo games on it, and I do fire up the Switch and play those from time to time, uh, both in my hands and on the television, and it's great. But in terms of convenience and, and, and being economical, uh, this little unit, I, I kind of, again, and maybe this is a rationalization and a justification of, of kind of getting these bootleg ROMs all preloaded onto a handheld system somebody else is manufacturing and selling, but if, it's, if you're talking about a 30-year-old game that isn't even available in cart form anymore... Uh, unless you want to scour secondhand shops over several states and several days of your life, they've made their money on these games. Nobody's trying to still sell anything but a secondhand Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartridge for the NES. And, and even if they do, the original developers and or Nintendo aren't getting any money for that. It's all resale market anyway. So right. maybe, again, that's that's a way for me to sort of backwards reverse engineer a, a justification slash rationalization <laughs> for what's essentially buying this bootleg unit from overseas. But at the same time, I mean, nobody nobody's... It, even if I could find the cartridge, the original developer isn't getting any money anyway. Yeah, I get that. And, and I think uh, a, lot, a large portion of the... Uh, the ROM community feels the same way. I mean, I know there was a, a ROM hacker that got real recently. His name was Bowser of all fucking things. Uh, got yeah. in trouble for uh, Nintendo piracy, and I know he just got really smacked down for that. And I was looking up uh, because I look up all the viability of, of of hacking all these different consoles now, like the 2DS and 3DS. I know I can take care of both from making them run the ROM games that I own or homebrew games or whatever, but also because I've been buying some units from Japan, it's really cool yeah. that I can region unlock, which I don't know the legality of that. I honestly don't, but let me tell you something. If I pay $300 for a special edition 3DS, like I did, uh, for this, uh, Hyrule edition, 
uh, uh, 3DS, which I know I've showed you this, and I know it's an audio-only medium again, but goddamn, this thing is fucking pretty. It's it just, is beautiful. It's a work of art. And if I may describe this to folks listening, it is a uh, 3DS with a custom gold tone cover on it, and it's got what looks like a laser etched uh, Zelda crest on it with the wings and the Triforce, and it is, yeah. you know, it it really is a piece of work. Arigato. It's it's fantastic, but I paid like something like two hundred eighty dollars for it. I can't play games in Japanese. I'm sorry, I don't read Japanese. Not yet. I've been thinking about picking up one of those language tutors like Babel or uh, Rosetta Stone and trying to learn Japanese, but I don't know. I'm well, good luck old, with that. As far as I understand dog. it, That's Japanese is uh, yeah, Japanese is one of the most difficult languages to pick up if you're not a native speaker, just because of the um, the different layers of connotation that are inherent in pronunciation and and um, you know different connotations of things based on history and heritage. But you know, it's yeah. again, I mean, it's one of those things that if you if you want to get like a basic functionality with it, I do have friends that have worked hard at it and have figured it out. But it just it's uh, I also up there Google with English in terms of, so. of difficult languages to learn. Yeah. I've been using Google Translate a lot. Uh, if you guys haven't used it, I use it on my, I have an Android. I open it and I use the camera function. And so I point the camera at whatever it's trying to yeah. translate and I get like a live translation of it. So I was literally able to set up these uh, Japanese, I, I mean, I picked up the, the nice 3DS XL. I picked up uh, three of the uh, DSi, they call them the DSi LL. Because they don't use X as a unit of measure, but they're they're basically the Japanese equivalent of the DSi XL, and they're gorgeous. They're wonderful, and uh, just to run it through the setup, I had to run it through my translator and just kind of point the camera at it and try to poke the right spot while I'm doing it. It was actually kind of funny to watch, but uh, yeah, there used all... to be this app called Word Lens that did that. You could point this word, you could put open Word Lens and point your camera at a. Um... Anything that was in a language you didn't understand, then it would translate it on the fly. But I think Google bought them, bought them and absorbed that functionality into Google Translate. But it's pretty cool. It works it's not well. perfect, but it works well enough yeah. for you to be able to, to get through things. And, and I have definitely used it. Not that I've traveled really anything but domestically, but there are times when I see something in another language. And I just remember that I can pull open Google and point my camera at it. And it'll just give me a real-time translation of whatever is happening in front of me. Well, speaking of the expense in retro markets... Uh, I think another uh, factor that's leading to this is, uh, and, and for those of you who can't see me because it's an audio medium, I'm holding one of the Game Boy Advance uh, SPs, which are the little clamshell ones, which is one of the most unique designs for a handheld. It started this whole clamshell wave of, of consoles that carried over into the Advance and the, uh, or into the uh, uh, DS and DS Lite and 3DS and 2DS and all that. But uh, it was easily one of the most pocketable, most beautiful systems, the handhelds you could get back in the day. A lot of people are snatching these up. These, which used to be able to find in a, at a good used store, uh, $45, 50 bucks all day, you know. Yeah, I think I saw one at GameStop a year ago for like $35. Right. Into the hundreds now. And I figured huh. it out. With these, it's because people are modding them. They're taking the screens out and adding uh, variable adjustment brightness screens that add these wonderful uh, color layers and, and 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 color choices that you can make. And it really kind of customizes the entire look of it. Backlights, neon, LED buttons. I mean, real fancy shit. Uh, for a couple hundred bucks, you could have like a really like personalized game unit. And so I kind of get that too, but 
Again, that's driving the price of these skyrocketing. And I buy them. Uh, I, I bought the last couple of them that I bought to reshell. And a lot of people reshell them with the, the intent of reselling them as something that they're not. Which I'm yeah. not. I just want the ones I have to look nice. And so I've reshelled. This was a... This one started out as a really scratched and beat up uh, blue, uh, cobalt blue unit that uh, I hacked into and, and reshelled and made it look like the uh, the Legend of Zelda uh, Minish Cap uh, DS uh, or Game Boy Advance SP. And then I of course had when I, when I had one originally, I had the NES uh, retro version. And uh, I sold that years ago, and to get those cool anymore, they're 150 fucking two hundred dollars to get them again. That's they're super expensive. What did they run originally? I want to say they were normal than two hundred bucks when they originally 80 came bucks, out. 80, they? Eighty to a hundred bucks. Huh. In fact, some of the boxes for the Advance SPs have now only seventy nine ninety nine on the cover. So, I wow. think something like this one, the special edition one, would have gone for like a hundred, hundred and fifty. But I, I couldn't justify spending that for something I'd already had and sold. So I just bought a shell and reshell. I think this one was a scratched up uh, gray one at one point. And now it's this, it's a beautiful piece. And it's, for me, I'm not selling them to anybody. I'm not trying to hornswoggle anyone into thinking that it's uh, the expensive unit when it's not. It's clearly not. It's just something that looks pretty, pretty sitting on my shelf, which I really enjoy. Sure. So, um I think modability of these units uh, up to about the 3DS. The DS and the DSi, I think, is really where the modability kind of got ridiculous and, and less... Uh, co it caught more cost prohibitive because they got these flimsy-ass ribbon cables that sit in the hinge of these uh, units. And if you snip that ribbon cable, it's game over. Yeah. And I In fact, I, I've got a... A DS Lite I was working on uh, reshelling uh, into another Legend of Zelda case. I think I have a thing with Legend of Zelda cases. But, uh, uh, and, and just trying to push it, you got to roll it up, tighten it through one of these, it's just like a metal ring that protects it, but it sliced right through that ribbon cable, and so that was game over for that DS Lite. And so, that cable is not replaceable or findable as a secondary uh, part? or I have ordered another screen, top screen, that comes with that ribbon cable. So we're going to see if there's any way for me to resurrect this from the dead. Um, I mean, you, you know more about this than I do. You've forgotten more about this than I ever will know. But like when you pull those things apart, are they soldered right to the board? Or is it a, a pin port? You can just yank it out and replace it? How does that even work? Because the technical limitations of this stuff are so far beyond me. For the most part, they're pinned. Uh they uh, they have, like when you do a PC, uh, the ribbon sure. cable that tucks in, and then you you yeah. uh, lower the the little pinchers that kind of sit on. I don't know what the fuck. That's as far as I've that, ever is, gotten yeah. with with anything is replacing components in PCs that I've had over the years. But I haven't actually had a desktop system in probably ten years. I've been watching uh, these YouTube videos. There's a guy called Spawnwave. I watch his YouTube videos. I watch this guy. Uh, his, his name's Tronix Fix. His name's Steve. He buys. Uh, broken stuff on YouTube or on eBay, and he buys broken lots from like uh, auction lots, and uh, he'll like challenge himself to see if he can fix it. Like he even bought this one unit that another YouTuber he dropped a PS5 down a staircase, spiral staircase, Ooh. on purpose, oh. on purpose. Jesus, 
and then he I bought it shit. to see if he could fix it. He did not. Spoiler alert for any Atronics fixes videos. He did not fix it. It was pretty beat. But again, uh, at the risk of like shooting off into another uh, tangent, that is a genre of YouTube I will never understand. Buying expensive, hard to find, sought after electronics, and then destroying. I, like doing a teardown, like doing a breakdown to check out the guts, and then reassembling. That makes sense. But these assholes that like will buy an iPhone and then smash it with a sledgehammer in front of the store. Fuck you. I'm sorry, but fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. I mean. Especially with PS5 down the stairs. Especially with things, can't get a PS5. Right, exactly. That's how I feel about it. It's like, I feel like that old, the, you know how your mother used to always say to you, oh, there's starving kids in Africa. Eat your vegetables. You know? Right. I feel the same way. Or like there's anybody who, who, anybody who ever smashes a guitar, up to and including like Jimi Hendrix or Pete Townsend, who very famously destroyed their guitars in the 60s. It was a cool thing to do at the time, but whatever. It was a trend. But anybody who does that now, anybody who like smashes a guitar... Look, I just have one of my guitars repaired. I'm not even a guitar player, but I'm playing a little guitar in this band that I'm in now. We have our first gig this coming weekend. Um, but I, if you're if you're going to smash a guitar, I don't care how poorly built it is or how old it is or how beat up it already is, anything is fixable. I just had my 12-string replaced because it was the last gift my, my dad gave me before he passed away. It's a very special piece of kit to me. And I, I left it sitting in the case tuned for a long time on a 12-string guitar. The neck tension on that's about 325 foot-pounds. And when I brought it in to get a pickup put into it, because I'm starting to play it on stage a little bit, um, the luthier in my area who I work with, uh, who's fantastic... Um, who has really saved me money before in repairs by being able to say, hey, you know, this actually thing that you brought it in for doesn't actually need to be done. I can do this with the parts you have or do it less expensively with labor, whatever. He's, he's always done what he could to save me money. But this time he was like, you know, I took the strings off of it that were existing to get into the sound hole to put the pickup in. And when I put the new strings on, the bridge started to pull away from the soundboard a little bit. Uh, he showed me when I went in to go pick it up that he could stick a piece of paper, like the, like the piece of paper on the invoice. He could stick it in between the bridge and the uh, and the soundboard and hit the, the tuning pins, or the, the string pins, and I thought, ah, shit. So that wound up being an expensive lesson. If you have a 12-string, especially if you live in a temperate climate like I do, uh, detune your 12-string if you're storing it for any more than a month or two at a time because it's going to pull on your soundboard. But smashing a guitar, like, I, that guitar is very precious to me, and I get that, but, like, anybody who smashes a guitar... You could donate that to a school. You could give it to a kid who's learning. Just don't, don't break your stuff intentionally. I don't. I will never understand that. Whether it's a, a guitar or pushing a PS5 down the stairs or uh, blowing up your car because you think it'll get you likes on Instagram or something. Just fucking fix things or donate things. Don't be a dick. People don't have things. There was a guy recently who, uh, uh, instead of paying like the twenty thousand dollars or whatever ridiculous that Tesla. Fee, yeah, blew it the fuck up on a video just to spite Elon Musk. And really, who's he spiting? He's spiting okay. himself. That's kind of a, a little bit different because, I mean, if you're going to make a car that, that the battery's going to take... I mean, I, you and I have both had things... Like, my phone, uh, it's less than a, a year and a half old, and, and the battery on it is starting to, to not really last all day anymore. And that's really how they get you. I mean, the... the Sure, your storage can fill up, your screen might get a little bit of burn, but the phone is perfectly functional, it's perfectly zippy, it works just fine, but the fact that I can't get a full day out of the battery anymore, every two years I replace my phone. So, yeah. if you're going to make a, a car Planned that's got a, a battery that's replaceable, I guess the new ones now, the newer Teslas, this one is seven or eight years old, doesn't have a replaceable battery, and I get that, it was early on in the technology, but I've read about how there are Tesla's building charging stations all over the country, yeah. and you can charge up your car in about an hour and a half, or for free, uh, or pay a little bit more, and they can pull it into a bay, like an oil change bay, like you'd see at the Jiffy Lube, and go zip, 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 and, and pull your battery off from underneath your car, 
swap it out like you would an empty propane tank on your RV and just put a new battery on in about 10 minutes and you're back on the road again and that's your battery. Um, that makes sense to me. So blowing up a car because the battery is either irreplaceable or expensive prohibitively to replace, I mean, that that's not a thing that's usable anymore unless there's an, a too expensive, a prohibitively expensive repair made to it. But musical instruments, game consoles, I mean, these, there's no excuse to destroy these things. Give them to somebody. Just donate them. Give them to somebody who's less fortunate than you. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. There's wanton destruction of, of, of property that, that somebody else would love to get their hands on. I want to say I've seen... I've been in one band who's destroyed a guitar, and I think the justification for that was that it was a first act, which is, you know, the bottom barrel of the line, you know, kind of guitar. That literally is the Walmart brand guitar. Right. And I think... I want to say he smashed it at, like, a CD uh, release party that we did, and... It was it was already broken, so it was. I mean, it was it had it had lived its life. It had, it had served its purpose, and I don't know that donating it to anybody would have gotten any results. I mean, it would have been more cost to fix it than it would have been worth. Well, then maybe but, I'm dying on the wrong hill. I guess maybe no, that's no. I get I get what you're saying, and like I I definitely have these feelings of 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 twinges of like anxiety when i see people doing the drop test on brand new phones and and shit yeah. like that and because uh, these are things that people i mean you can automate certain things but when it comes to phones or guitars or game consoles i mean whatever it is not only is there inherent value in the thing as being a thing to be able to be useful or entertaining to somebody else or even in the case of like a guitar to create art on it but these are all things that at least on some level are still hand built by actual human beings right um a guitar especially and it represents uh, resources and time and care put into actually because I don't know if you've ever done a teardown of a guitar. I'm talking like an acoustic guitar, even electric guitars. No, I've they not. have to be hand. The, the bodies have to be hand routed. They're hand finished. There's a certain amount of, of uh, automation you can put into, like some of the cheaper guitars, and you can sort of tell if you're a guitar person where they cut the corners. But for the most part, an acoustic guitar has to be hand braced. If there's hand inlays in the neck for the fret markers, they they have to hand carve the necks, and they gotta steam the bodies to bend them. Even an electric guitar, there might be. Uh, certain things you can do very quickly to produce like a especially some of the more popular guitars like a les paul style or a uh, um a telecaster or a stratocaster some of you more like when you think of electric guitar these are the guitars that immediately spring to mind the less niche body styles they right. can be mass produced pretty cheaply and pretty efficiently with machines but you still need to have humans hand solder the connections humans have to hand lathe and hand router the the, the bodies to get the electrics and the, the 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 tremolo and all the things in the guitar these these are not Things that people have not put, you know, love, sweat, and tears into um, in terms of, of creating these things. So I just think it's really shitty to to take a, a thing that somebody created that could be used to, to entertain or to create art or whatever and just say, you know what, I'm going to smash this because I'm being a dick. Yeah, and I get, I get certain people doing, like, the drop test can be kind of construed as uh, necessary as far as trying to relate to the public exactly what this phone can take and what it can not take and... Uh, as a review purpose, but like drop testing, yeah. dro dropping a PlayStation down the stairs hurt. That that hurt to watch. Yeah, and it was kind of reassuring. I like, like I said, I like watching the videos where they try to fix it up and try to save it. 
uh, even if they're doing it for crass commercial purposes. Uh, I've started watching a lot of these videos where people take these units and they take them apart. And so I'm watching what they do and how they do it. And uh, cleaning with isopropyl alcohol and reseeding chips and things yeah. like that. Which I absolutely can't do right now. I don't know anything about heat guns and, and soldering. That's still on my to learn list. But uh, cleaning a unit up and, and getting it back in shape. I've got a couple that I'm working on for that. Um, like I said, I bought several uh, DSI XLs from Japan. And they're gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Japan gets so much better color choices than we get over here color choices we talked about this before very i mean something about japan whether it's i think it it might be the fact that that and again this is not a ding on japanese culture but japanese culture for us to a certain extent is somewhat about conformity you know you don't want to necessarily stand out so there are entire subcultures that are centered on standing out um, whether it's like the Gangura girls with their crazy makeup or there's like the, the, the sort of like crazy subculture of like 50s greasers that I've seen. I don't know if these are outdated things. I don't really keep up on Japanese culture. But, you know, the Japanese youth that decide that while I'm, I'm having this, this rebellious period in my youth, I'm going to rebel against society. And it's tolerated and it's, it's, it creates these, these fun subcultures. But to a degree, I think there's a lot of individuality in products and offerings of things in Japan because... Uh, a lot of the time, that's kind of a, a, one of the methods that, that folks in that particular society use to, to express their individuality. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about this before. Like, you can get game consoles or phones with a thousand different kinds of, of, of cases on them or colors or whatever. But also, it, it, things like the Kit Kats. There are whole specialty Kit Kat stores that you can walk into where they have crazy flavors that we'll never get over here. I mean, we're starting to get things like the, the mocha or the mint. You'll see those on the shelf at the Walgreens or the grocery store. But... But they have entire stores that are dedicated just to Kit Kat. Um, it's a very we, popular candy in Japan we, because we I guess... We went to an Asian market the other day and I picked up uh, a package of apple cinnamon Kit Kats. And they're absolutely delicious. I bet they were delicious. They're fantastic. Yeah. Well, I guess I came to understand that Kit Kat was, was, became very popular in Japan because the, the phonetic sound of Kit Kat... Um, corresponds to characters or language in Japanese that, that is a very good luck sort of thing. So people give Kit Kats for gifts. It's a, a sort of a thing you give to somebody when you when you meet them as a like a welcome basket and like business and whatnot because it's it's meant to symbolize good luck. And so good for them. But I'm actually really envious of Japan's Kit Kat variety. Not to eat a ton of Kit Kats, but if I ever found myself in like Shibuya Market or something and accidentally wandered to a Kit Kat store, I'd probably you know spend every penny that I had just getting crazy <laughs> insane Kit Kat flavor Absolutely. varieties and just trying those out. Absolutely, but. Yeah, it's been fun. Like I said, uh, the Japanese market specifically right now has a lot of the niche systems that I've, I've really been looking into. And there's the guy that I bought the uh, the Zelda Hyrule Edition 3DS XL from. I've been combing through his store and just flagging items that are on my list of things to buy. And one of the cool things that I bought, not from him, but from another vendor, is, is this. One of my favorite consoles is the Game Boy Micro. And I know I'm yeah. holding it up for Jim to see, but... Uh, for those of you who don't know, it was kind of a, a step right at the end of the Advance's life. Uh, so all it does is play the GBA games, the Game Boy Advance games. But it's about three and a half inches by like two inches. And it's very compact, very pocket size. You could put it in your pocket and go. It fits in like I used to like it because I wear a motorcycle vest everywhere. You could put it in the side pocket of my motorcycle vest and not even know it's there. It fits so perfectly, and you know, you get one of these multi-game ROM carts like you talk about, 
Uh, yeah. And I got like a 150 in one game cart from Amazon at one point, and I just popped that bad boy in there, and I got I'm spoiled for choice for what I want to play on the thing. But I've I've really come to love this as one. Like a, a lot of handheld gamers pick their their console. That's the one that they want. That's the one that they collect primarily. Uh, and this is I think the one for me is the Game Boy Micro. And I started out with just a regular black one that I bought off of uh, eBay. I bid sniped someone at the last minute. I think I picked it up for like seventy bucks. And uh, in the United States, we got very boring color choices. We got we like. Did. We got like a silver and a black, and they came with variable face plates that you could switch out, but the bodies of them was black or silver. Uh, in Japan and and I've come to learn in Europe and, and Australia specifically, they came up with like there's like hot pink, there's this really cool like light blue. Uh, the one I just showed you, I got recently from Japan. It's purple, like a lavender purple, metallic lavender. Very cool. Which is really beautiful. And then the one that I think is like there's like all sorts of different variants that are based on games. Mother Three has a version that is like thousands of dollars right now. There's a Final Fantasy version. There's a you know there's because the Mother series is one of those ones that's very famously has has not really been ported or localized to the American market. Not easily. I mean, I know there's there's hacks of it to dub it, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the most popular series out there and. And in new in box, they go for several thousand dollars, which is ridiculous. But uh, uh, I, I myself have three so far. I have the black one that I started out with. I bought a uh, Famicom version, which was based on the Japanese Nintendo, the Famicom. Uh, it looks kind of like the Famicom controller. It's in that uh, really, uh, what, I don't know what you call that that color. It's... Uh, not magenta. Magenta's pink. What is this color? Maroon. Kind of like maroon. a maroon. And it's got the gold faceplate that makes it look like uh, one of the controllers on the Famicom. And so that was really neat. I got that new in box, uh, which I have, of course, taken out and played with because I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, right. bought the purple one from Japan very recently, but I've had my eye on. They've got, I, think, I want to say it was an Australian release. And it is this brilliant emerald green. It is nice. the coolest one I've seen so far for me. And I I can't afford it on eBay right now. They're uh, going for like two and three and four and five hundred dollars. Holy shit. And so I'm keeping my eye out. If any of you listening out there has a line on a green three D or a green micro, oh boy, hit your boy up. I will I will I will be the happiest boy in the world. But until then I, the hunt continues. And then there's like the, the hot pink one, which I've been really drawn to these units with these really loud, bright colors, which is so not like I used to be because I used to be into all like the blacks and I like the reds and that's where I sit, you know, but uh, yep. like, I got a couple of those DSIs from DSI XLs from Japan. I got this wonderful emerald green. I got a, a nice. Well, didn't blue. you get the black and red uh, plates for your PS5 too? Uh, I do have the red plates on my PS5, and they look yeah. absolutely smegging wonderful. Uh, we could thank Daniela for that, my lovely wife. Uh, she surprised me with those. That was fantastic. She spoils me. She really does. You like me. You like me. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I, I, I can prattle on about this forever. I bought from that same guy who uh, sold me the, uh, the, the Hyrule Edition 3DS from Japan. I bought a Japanese-exclusive uh, PlayStation Vita, uh, the version 2000 Vita, 
which is the one that of course is thinner it doesn't have the oled screen but it's thinner and lighter and better battery life and it doesn't have a proprietary charger so you can just charge it off of a, a micro usb and be good which yeah. is fantastic but i picked that up and it's this wonderful like bright orange like sherbet orange almost and it looks fantastic i can't wait to get that that's in the mail so uh but I, I mean, I've really jumped into this with both feet. It's it's kind of crazy these these auctions that I go through, the Japanese auctions and the Goodwill auctions and the eBay auctions. They're like, it's like gambling. It feels yeah, exactly it like having a gambling addiction, and so I've had to really check myself, especially this. I, I see. I'm going to keep saying things, but I bought another uh, uh, 3ds XL, a new a new 3ds XL. I've, I, I think I've showed you this one. Uh, my friend uh, Rob, who just so happens to live next door to me now, uh, shout out Rob Howdy Shell. I don't know if you're listening, but hey, what's up, dude? But uh, he hit me up. I posted a picture of all my special edition units on uh, on Facebook uh, because I've been really diving into it. And uh, he says, "Hey, would you have any interest in this?" And he showed it to me. It's the 3- hell yeah, the new Nintendo 3DS XL that looks like the super nintendo it's got the plates on it that make it look like the super nintendo it's done in those grays and light purples and it's just it's a stunning looking unit in immaculate shape and uh he's like hey you want to buy this and i'm like yeah absolutely as long as the price is right and he you know we settled on a price and i picked it up and it's it's absolutely flawless i love it to death and i just keep adding to the pile I had them all out for for cleaning today, and uh, going over them with a with a nice soft toothbrush and a, and a and a rag, with some isopropyl alcohol, cleaning up the the dust and making sure they're really pretty pretty, and uh, it 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 looks like I have a gambling problem. It looks like I have an addiction problem because <laughs> I had something like thirty five uh, handheld units on my desk at that point. Uh, between the DSI Well, it beats the, the hell out of drugs. I mean, you know, whatever it's you true. collect, if, as long as you're not hurting <laughs> anybody, um, you know, I think you're doing fine. I mean, I, I have friends who are like that about uh, musicians in particular, which I know that, you know, we're both in bands. and Oh, yeah. And uh, I was I was like that with drum gear for a long time, although the band that I'm in now, I'm, I'm singing more so than playing drums. But I don't even play guitar, and I've got six fucking guitars. Uh, but that's a pretty reasonable amount. I know I have friends who are guitarists who have 20, 30 guitars, and they've got effects pedals in the hundreds. I mean, these are very expensive hobbies, but at the end of the day, if you're just using it to uh, to enjoy yourself and you're creating you're art not and you're, hurting you're entertaining nobody. yourself, you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. Well, you know, what's the, what's the issue? There really isn't one. You could be doing something self-destructive or or whatever. And, and if you like handheld games, then uh, th- there are definitely worse hobbies to get into. Um, true. And especially, again, like I said, you've forgotten more about this shit than I'll ever know. You know what you're doing. So yeah. uh, being, being able to swap out the, the cosmetics on these things and mod these things and, and kind of get into the guts and tinker around to find out how they work. This one's pretty. I like this one, the yellow one. It's, it's a like DS. a mustard yellow almost. It's it's like deeper than like Pikachu yellow, but it's really it's really yeah. nice. Pictures don't do this one justice. And, and my wife's like, why are you getting all the really loud ones? I'm like, I don't know. They just <laughs> appeal to me right now. I'm really just digging the shit out of them. So I'm going through and charging everything. If, if you wonder why I keep grabbing them and moving them in front of the camera, I've been, as we talk, I've got like six different chargers set up and I'm charging all of the different units now so I can go through and game check them and make sure they all turn on and 
still do the things they need to do. So uh, it's completely self-serving because I enjoy doing it, but uh, it's, it's kind of fun. I'm surrounded by this hobby right now, and it's fantastic. But I think, like I said, I think the problem for me is that it's become such a, a, a well-known hobby, such a well-known uh, hackable mm -hmm. thing and such a, a modifiable thing and because it's Nintendo, Nintendo deals in a certain set of quality. You know what I mean? Nintendo right. equals do. a certain level of quality that you don't get with something like, uh, you know, not even with the PSPs or the, or the Vitas and such. Nintendo has their own niche little market. They've cornered it, and they're good at it. And I think that drives the price up, too. And I think that's part of the problem that I'm having with these units is because I want to acquire more and more and more. I would love to have a different color of each unit, but uh, I, all the members of the gaming communities that I'm, a, I'm a, a member of and talking to all of them and seeing what they put out for their units, and, 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 and I don't feel like I'm necessarily that bad. I don't need to have them like new in box or sealed or even complete in package. Man, I, I found three of the boxes that I had from these units that I bought in box. I, I listed one on eBay just to see if it'll sell. Just, just the, box, the box? Just the box. For that NES one uh, that uh, I, I enjoy. And, and boy, that that was a dumb cleanup. I told you I've been taking these all and cleaning them up. I found out my cat must have peed in my cabinet at one point. Because Oof. there was crystallized cat piss on oh, one of no. these units. And before any of you at me on this, I know goddamn good and well it's disgusting. I was horrified to find it. And I couldn't exactly beat the cat right now because who knows when she did it. It was old. <laughs> and, and so I had to Not take it. Not that you ever beat your cats, it must be said either. I No, because she would have been done long before now. Um, I, I exercise a great deal of restraint in these cats' favor. So. But I had to take it apart and very gingerly clean it. And luckily it didn't trip the, uh, the water damage sensor, so none of it got to the board. Uh, but... Uh, it, w it was quite nasty and took a lot of alcohol to clean up and get to smelling right yeah. again. Everybody's a critic. But the box for it, that being said, tying that back, the box for it still has the manuals, still has the AR cards and everything else inside. The box is in about a 9.5 out of 10 shape. So I'm like, screw it. People are completionists. Not me, but people are completionists. So I put it up on eBay just to see what it'll do. If I get any interest in it and whatnot and... Uh, if so, maybe I can start doing that because my wife certainly hates the fact that I keep all of these boxes lying around for all these things that I buy. So, who knows? Maybe that's a bunch well, of collection. You see I can behind help me. Else we, we, with. We've talked about this before. All of the the miniature replica arcade cabinets that are sitting behind me on top of the regular size arcade cabinet. No, oh, yeah. I still have all the boxes for those hanging out in the closet. I can't throw them away. I don't know why. They all come in the, the tiny little keychain ones come in tiny little plastic boxes. The the medium sized ones come in big plastic boxes, and some of them come in cardboard box. I can't I can't get rid of them. I can't get rid of the boxes. They're all sitting in a box in the closet. The boxes are in a box in a closet. I can't get rid of them. Have a meta. I think the only boxes I'm really ending up keeping at this point now is that I'm, I'm even interested in keeping right now is going to be the uh, the ones for the replicates, the uh, New Wave Toys cabinets. And because I'm going to start keeping them, because I can only really feasibly display one or two on my desk at once. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think I'll just keep rotating out the newest and best, whichever one I get the newest and most recent, and then just keep the other ones packed away or so I have them and I know they're in good shape for when I want to play them, you know. And you bet. So, 
or until I have a game room and build a shelf complete to display them. So, but I mean, it's really been neat to kind of delve into this. Like I said, I feel kind of like a, a gambling junkie hitting those. I got to check my auctions. It's three in the morning. I got to check. Oh, it's Japan. Their auctions close at different times. And I got to, I got to up my bid. And, and it, it very much feels like I have some kind of addiction, but, um, I don't know. Something's coming out of it. It's not really hurting anything but my pocketbook. Uh, you're enjoying yourself. Nobody's getting hurt. I mean, I'm enjoying myself. If it was one of those dirty, things where the yeah. kids didn't have food on the table because you had to get that weird, rare variant of the of the Game Boy Micro from Japan and the kids went hungry or ramen noodles for a month, then you might have some room to complain at yourself. But you're doing fine, and you're not hurting anybody, and these are fun things to have, and you enjoy them, and they're fun to clean up, and they're fun to have, and they're fun to play, and they're fun to hang out with. And So at the, at the, at the end of the day, grand scheme of things, you're not hurting anybody, and I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I told my wife at one point, I said, wow, this is really neat. She's like, what? I'm like, I'm legitimately fueling my own fandom right here. I've built a new fandom Ayo. out of this, and I'm I, I'm really just kind of fueling that passion right now. She's like, really? <laughs> he said it! He said it! Oh, that's why they call it that. It fits. It's on the mark. And so, uh, never let it be said you're too old to pick up a new hobby, folks. I mean, get And never let it be said you that you're love. too old to have a happy childhood. Absolutely. I fully plan on having a happy childhood for many more years to come. It's an unwritten rule that kids have every toys their dads want. Oh, get this. I've been finding a lot of cool shit on Etsy. There's a store on Etsy, and, and we could talk about it more if they decide to sponsor us. I should send them an email. I yeah. have bought numerous things from this store already. Uh, they're called Rose City or Rose Colored Gaming. Rose Colored Gaming. I want to say they're out of Ohio or something. And they make these lucite stands for game consoles handheld game consoles in particular i started buying them for the game boy micro because i like to display them on my desk and they just they're made out of just little pieces of lucite they got the name imprinted on them and everything and and then they do special edition ones for the special edition handhelds so i got a really cool one for my hyrule edition zelda case and and all that so i'm literally dumping money into these people hand over fist i found this company uh you know me i've got all three of the major consoles that hooked to my tv right now and i use all three of them me too i have my desk right beside my chair that i sit at in the living room and so i bought these 3d printed mounts for the controllers that i have magnetized to my desk i tried using 3m tape the stuff to build cars with and it doesn't like the paint it's dropped my controller like three times so I took all that off and I stuck just a freaking amazing amount of magnets to the back of these. I have a lot of magnets from my days of of uh, merchandising. We used to hang signs from grocery store ceilings with these magnets. And these magnets are super strong. And one or two wasn't doing it. It wasn't holding it. It was starting to droop and fade. And I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. So I took apart a bunch of magnets and stole the magnets out of them. And I have lined the back of these with them. The equivalent of, of eight, eight of those magnets. Wow. On each of these. And, and as you can see, these are just really simply done controller mounts. And I just drop my controller right onto them. And so now and the three of those mounts live on the side of my desk. And so they're literally within an arm's reach of me. The desk has a USB socket on the side of the desk that I can just plug it right in and charge all three of those controllers. So for my Xbox, I've got my uh, Elite 2 sitting right there ready to go. For the uh, 
uh, PS5. I've got my wonderful uh, Christmas gift from my lovely wife, the red uh, uh, DualSense controller that matches my, my new plates on my PlayStation. And then I got the Switch uh, Wireless Pro Controller. So it's really cool. I'm finding all sorts of cool shit on Etsy. But this whole episode basically was just for me to find a way to rant about my new hobby and my love of collecting handhelds. And and like I said, I, uh, we're here to gas everybody up. We're here to talk about everybody's fandom. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. But sometimes that goes for our own. We talk about the things that we love and and get yeah, a kick out absolutely. of it. So, uh, I'm 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 glad to share these things that I get just giddy stupid happy about with you guys because it's something that I enjoy so very much and it's just it, it's it's a lot of fun it's very rewarding for me so what is it you guys are into what are you guys delving into lately this is the beginning of season four I think we're still in the first four episodes this will be episode number four I believe yeah. Uh, Tell us what you're into. Tell us what you collect. Tell us what you've... Maybe you've started a new pandemic hobby like I have. Uh, what, what is it that you're doing to, to, to pass away the time to, to, to entertain yourself, to entertain others? You know, are you podcasting? Our good friend Matt Luria. We've been talking to him recently about... He's starting... Yeah, Matt, uh, friend of the show. A couple of podcasts right now, and we're very excited to start hearing uh, the direction he's going to go with that. I know I am. I know he's talked to both of us about it, and uh, we definitely wish him the best of luck. I'll be listening eagerly to see what he can do. But, For uh, sure. you know, what are, what are your new hobbies? What is it you're doing? We want to know what you're doing to fuel your fandom. How are you keeping your geekery alive? How are you fulfilling your soul during these soul-crushing, horrible, horrible timeline abyss times? Let us know. Uh, you can always drop us a message on Facebook. We're always listening on Facebook. And that, of course, is facebook.com forward slash feel your fandom. You could send a text or an email directly to me. I'll get it and uh, respond right away. You can get that at uh, uh, Gmail, which is uh, feel your fandom at gmail.com. The backup email address at Gmail is always available to you, too. That's fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. And that's where you want to send your show ideas, your guest suggestions, especially if they're you. And, of course, as always, your pie recipes. Sure. You can also find us on Instagram, at at Fuel Your Fandom. You can find us on Twitter at at Fuel underscore Your. And we are still taking donations for the Fuel the Future program to get comics into the hands of underprivileged kids. And we are on yes. Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal at at Fuel Your Fandom. So that's nice and easy. You can also find us at all of the places you get fine podcasts, like Spotify for now. Um, <laughs> Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Audible, all those great places. And uh, however you get us into your holes, we are always grateful that you do. We are appreciative, and, and we send warm fuzzies your way. We enjoy being a part of whatever routine that you're having where you listen to us, and we just like being a part of your lives. Uh, it, it, it warms our hearts uh, to no end to to uh, speak to you and, and, and have a... Uh, a way to reach out and touch other fans and and and, uh, and the like. So yeah, send us a message. Let us know what you're doing to uh, further enrich your fandoms, to fuel your fandoms, to get yourselves motivated. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, we will be back every Friday at 8 a.m. If I can remember to upload it on time, um, which I do. I'm pretty good about it. But uh, every Friday, 8 a.m., Season 4, well underway. And, uh, yeah, 
Uh, we got more topics. We got more guests coming up than you could shake a stick at, so we're excited about that. But until then, please do remember from Jim and I both, we want to thank you for listening. And uh, remember that everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care, guys.